Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Pascalia. With me, as always, is my co-host, Matthew Fairburn, and we are going over the Bills' most recent game. They defeat the Baltimore Ravens by a score of 23-20, to a game that looked in doubt for quite a long stretch of the first half, and even in at points in the second half, for most of the second half, I should say. But uh, the Bills were able to go through the paces of the game, get together get together with some good stops. They stepped up on offense when they needed to and they delivered a victory over a team that uh they might just see uh at some point in the playoffs because the Ravens are a good team and they are banged up by injury and surely they will be a different team when uh if and and or when the Bills face them the next time. So We'll go over all of it, but uh, Matthew Fairburn, this game had just about everything. Um, I think, you know, obviously the defense, we're, we're going to get into them because of how they really just uh, put a stopper on the most prolific scoring offense in the NFL heading into week four. But I thought it was pretty interesting that we got kind of a throwback version of of Josh Allen in this game. We had grown accustomed to him being this new pocket passer, being able to beat you every which way with his arm in his mind. And it was kind of funny that uh, that he looked like kind of a throwback version of himself where it was more improvisational and getting things done on the ground. A lot of what he did early in his career. And it just so happened to be in the location where he started his career um, and having to do all that stuff to, just to try and get themselves, get the bills in line for a victory in the first two or three years of his career. So uh, kind of a, kind of a throwback game for Josh, but surely another kind of um, tick uh, of the box for him to win in a different sort of way when, when it was clear that the bills offense didn't have their best stuff today. Yeah, it's a big win for them to get this one on the road and, you know, get the conference win, shake off the loss in Miami and end up, you know, three and one instead of two and two at this stage, especially with a win against what will undoubtedly be some, it'll factor into the tiebreaker in some way, right? You know, the Ravens are going to be in that playoff picture at the end and, not that this would have been a backbreaker to fall to two and two, but it, it certainly is good to get to three and one. And for Josh Allen, I, I it felt, and for the Bills as a whole, this game felt like 2019 in a lot of ways when they were, you know, imperfect but finding ways to win. That it just feels like a, it felt like a better version of 2019, like Josh Allen 2019 version, but better, smarter, and you know, more clutch in the, in the important spots and not making the mistakes that, that would 
crush them, you know, at important moments the way Lamar Jackson did. So I think, you know, big picture wise, this was a nice one to get. They're still pretty banged up. They're still fighting through injuries. They're coming off, you know, what was undoubtedly an exhausting game against the Dolphins, you know, in which they lost. And they go out, win a close one on the road in nasty weather with some pretty smart time management, um, you know, all around coach, quarterback, uh, and, you know, coming up with important plays. And then the defense having an outstanding day against Lamar Jackson. It was one of those one of the types of games that you're going to need to win. You're going to need to win ugly. We were talking about it last week, winning the close games, winning ugly games. They're not all going to be pretty. And the more you expose yourself to in the regular season, the more types of games that you play in, I feel like the better off you are as a team when you get to the postseason. So no, they didn't route the Ravens, but uh, it certainly showed a, a different side of them as a team that they're going to need when it comes playoff time. I'm going to read off two stat lines for you, and I'm going to see what uh, what you come up with here. Five of 18 for 24 yards, five of 13 for 42 yards. What are those two stat lines? One of them feels like it might have been Lamar Jackson in the second half of this game. Uh, he... In the second half of this game, he had 36 yards and two interceptions. So I guess it wasn't that. Um, I don't know. You got me. Um, Five of 13 for 42 was Josh Allen's start to this game. Uh, Five of 18 for 24 was Nathan Peterman's Ravens game in 2018, where, you know, Sean McDermott told us that he had to watch the tape to see how he did. Um, Just it, it was almost like, Whoa! Is there some sort of uh, some sort of thing going on in M and T Bank Stadium where every single Bills passer struggles? But obviously, Josh kind of uh, brought it together after that. But to even be in the same zip code as Peterman, as Josh was early on in the game, and it wasn't all his fault, but he was definitely missing passes. His first three throws all could have been picked off. One of them were. Um, he's, he had quite a few turnover worthy plays in that first stretch, but once he kind of settled in from that point forward, he was electric and it was basically, well, not basically it was when they, when they took over the ball with 147 to go, uh, in the first half, getting that absolutely critical touchdown drive to go into the half, um, trailing only 10 to the Ravens because the Ravens were getting the ball back because the bills for the first time in quite some time, won the toss and elected to receive rather than defer. I think part of the thinking for that was, you know, the weather's going to get worse by the end of the game. So try to get as many possessions early on as they could. Ended up not working out that way because they turned the ball over on that very first possession. um, And we saw the Ravens go up early. Uh, But Over the final 31 minutes and 47 seconds of the game, Allen completed 14 of 23 passes for 171 yards and a touchdown. And he had effectively eight carries for 64 yards and another another touchdown on the ground. So him accounting for the lion's share of, of his work over the final just a little over a half of the game um, shows that he really had to put thing piece things together because that start was a bad one 
Um, and, you know, it seemed like the Ravens were had had their number. The Bills felt it, it felt like the Ravens knew how to defend the Bills because they are so uh, they have become so predictable in terms of not being able to run the ball with with their running backs and you know the the wide zone attempts that they've been trying again and again and again through the first three weeks just have not been going for them and and yet again predictably the running game really struggled in the first half and it you know it was just a it was just kind of a a problem that continued to get bigger and the Ravens felt a little bit more empowered to try different things in terms of blitz packages towards towards Josh Allen. It it really felt like that they had honed in on some sort of I don't want to say blueprint, but some sort of like strategy that that the Dolphins kind of unearthed in the previous week and it was giving them some, some success early on. Some were self-inflicted mistakes, but uh it it felt like like you know, what we talked about heading into the season, how you can't judge what offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey is by the first couple of games. You have to see what happens when teams start to figure you out. And it felt like that that might have started started to become a little bit of a thing early on in that, in that game. But to Dorsey's credit, to Allen's credit, um, they, they uh, figured some stuff out. They, were, they got back to Allen running the ball more often than he has in, in previous weeks. And they were able to to put together a win in in a in a game where you know they didn't really have their best stuff. So kudos to them, but uh, still a slight concern moving forward based on what we saw over the almost first half. Yeah, it's just a you know a sign that they're human. Yeah, uh, after sure. the first couple of weeks, they were so good against the Rams and against the Titans that. You know, it felt like nobody was going to be able to stop this offense, but we just know that's not how it works in the NFL. That there are going to be weeks where teams have your number. There's going to be certain matchups that are tricky. We we see the even the best offenses go through these ebbs and flows. I know I was mentioning the you know Peyton Manning Colts uh, multiple times early in the season the the way they were playing, and they did look that good. But even the Peyton Manning Colts, you know hit these rough patches and deep certain defenses, certain environments, you know, gave them problems. So uh, it doesn't, you also have to factor in too, that Josh Allen comes into this game with, you know, he played last week behind a banged up offensive line. This week it was the receivers that, you know, were dropping like flies. Crowder left the game early. McKenzie left the game early uh, with a concussion. And then you, you know, you're sitting there, Gabriel Davis is already, you know, I don't know if he's not right or what, but he doesn't look quite a hundred percent. You know, I know, you know, it seemed like he aggravated the ankle injury at some point this week. He's playing through it to his credit and he's still, you know, valuable having him out there because of what he brings, you know, in the blocking game and, you know, as a decoy, but something, it, it feels like he's not a hundred percent because those first couple of weeks, uh, it was uh, a different player. So, all that to say, Josh Allen's working with not his usual supporting cast, and a lot of it is happening during the course of a game, right? Where you know your offensive line's getting banged up against Miami. This week, it's the receivers that that aren't you know all there at the same time. So they're making it work. They're they're 
showing these last two weeks, and I include the game against Miami, even though they didn't win, that when things aren't going their way, when there's a lot that's not going right, that they can find patches of games where they can make it go right. And by, you know, sheer force of will because of their quarterback being one of the best football players on the planet. So he wasn't perfect today. He was, you know, pretty bad for a a long stretch of this game, but he got it together for a couple of drives uh, and really the, you know, end of the first half carried it through to the second half, took care of the football, played smart and, you know, understands how to get himself out of slumps. And I think that's a huge deal for, you know, we know his, his peaks, right? We know how, high it can be when he's playing at his best and when this offense is in rhythm but to limit the length of the valleys and be able to pull yourself out of those within the course of a game is something that he's building a a good solid resume of doing going back to last season against the Buccaneers carrying it into this year I, I just think he's he's continuing to show that that's the type of player and leader that he can be for this team yeah the Gabe Davis thing is I'm with you I think there there might be you know maybe he would benefit from a week off but they don't really have that uh, that ability to give him a week off because of how banged up they are now at at the receiver position because not only was Jamison Crowder uh, I spotted him um, he was carted off the field and then I spotted him after the game with a walking boot and on crutches. So who knows the severity of that? Uh, usually a walking boot is precautionary, but crutches are not the norm. So crutches might indicate a little bit more severity. It was a quick rule out for Jamison Crowder. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on moving forward here. Um, uh, but in addition to that, Isaiah McKenzie uh, went, uh, was ruled out of the game with a concussion. And with a heightened emphasis on concussion protocol with being uh, being implemented as early as this next week. We still don't know what it's going to look like, uh, the new concussion protocol, but that could impact whether or not McKenzie is able to play uh, on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Jake Kumaro is down with a high ankle sprain, and it's only been one week, and that's not just a one-week injury usually. Usually it, it takes some time. Um, so they're down to Diggs, Davis, and Khalil Shakir. My guess is they're, if the Crowder thing is um, is a somewhat serious thing where it'll be longer than they think it could be longer than four weeks, that they'll throw him an, on IR and bring up one of their practice squad guys. Probably, I would want to say Isaiah Hodgins out of the three of them. But um, it's not. It, that's just a temporary thing. So to the point. Gabe Davis, they don't have the flexibility uh, about whether or not he can or can't play because he would you know, very much benefit from taking a week or two off. That if if we can take their actions um, as as a sign that he could use some time off, the fact that they gave him a rest day on Thursday after he he came up a little hobbly after a, a rep in routes versus air on Wednesday. Kind of, it kind of feels like that maybe with the ankle injury, you, you might want to give it some time, but only when they have the time to do so. Gabe Davis, his target percentage, uh, uh, his target percentage this year was around 11% heading into the game. The target percentage today, he was only targeted three times. 
which was 8.3%. And that is extremely low for someone that um, they and many expected to be a pretty significant factor in this Bills offense. But um, perhaps perhaps it is uh, affecting him more, more than we know. Um, but that's something that they're going to need to analyze moving forward. I think the outside of the uh, the receivers and the injuries there, the one thing that they need to do is they need to isolate what is working with the ground game and what is very much not. And I'm not talking about Josh Allen. I'm talking about what's going on with the running backs. Uh, to me, there is at least a slight sign of something they can do that could help things because you saw it as well as I did. They looked predictable. They have had a ridiculous run to pass ratio over the last, um, the last several weeks now. And unless they start to be a more productive ground ground game, people are not going or teams are not going to respect it. And they're going to defend Josh Allen differently. And if they're, throwing more at Josh Allen and feeling empowered to do so, then it's going to be more difficult. And you'll see a lot more games like this one in the Miami game than you will um, these big-time wins that, that they had at the beginning of the season. I think the, the one area that they can extrapolate from the last couple of weeks, it's only been on a couple of plays, but the two times that they have run a pin-and-pull play, it has produced a really nice game. Um, and this one, it happened on the right at the beginning of the third quarter, Devin Singletary. He, uh, they had Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis, both crash into pin defenders inside. They had the left guard in the center kind of tilt their defenders or try to at least to the interior. And then they had Deion Dawkins and Quentin Morris loop and pull out in front of, uh, in front of Singletary Dawkins, was a roadblock for for one guy that was in the way. Quint Morris became his lead blocker, winds up becoming an untouched 18-yard gain. And it's it just really plays to the strengths of what the offensive line did well last year. And they've been trying to go with this wide zone a lot this year, and it just has not worked. They haven't gotten the push. The power concepts are not working up front. So I wonder if maybe that's something they can isolate and you know push forward in future games. So that way that they can be a little bit more dynamic of an offense, as opposed to, you know, Josh is going to drop back to pass. Josh is going to drop back to pass. And occasionally they'll run for a one or two yard game. Um, It just seems like they have to do something. And yet again, they are honing in on Devin Singletary as the guy played 87% of snaps today. Um, Only played 43 of the final 46 snaps for the bills in this game. Uh, it is very clear that who they trust and and who they want on the field moving forward, and that is Devin Singletary. So what, what are your thoughts overall on the running game? Yeah, I don't envision the Devin Singletary thing changing overnight either. I know he fumbled in this game, but given the rainy conditions, I feel like he's still the one that they trust and the one that they think you know is the most reliable of the three. He's become somewhat useful as a check down option for Josh Allen, which is, you know, partly can be, you know, somewhat of a running game, right? You're, you know, finding ways to get the ball in space and get the ball out quickly so that it's not, you know, 
the same as a full pass rep, uh, you know, as, you know, receivers running downfield, you know, all those sorts of things. But the running game itself is a bit of a problem. And I, I was going to note this later in the show, but I mean, at some point, I think James Cook has to factor in because you draft a guy in the second round at that position. Look, I know they're patient with their rookies. I know that, you know, Sean McDermott's history is that he, they bring guys along slowly, especially non-first-round picks. But at that position, I just don't think that you can justify it for too much longer when your running game is as bad as it is. And I'm not saying he's a magic fix because the run blocking has not been good for the first few weeks. But this is a guy that you picked in the second round for a reason. You get four years of a rookie contract, and every week you go by not using him. I just think you're you're wasting potential value for your offense. The, the guy is explosive. You know, see what he can do. Uh, I, I understand Devin Singletary being the guy that gets the majority of the snaps. He's earned that. I think he's earned their trust, and I think he's playing fairly well given the circumstances around him. I don't have a huge problem with Devin Singletary at the moment, but getting another more explosive player into the mix, I, I just don't see the harm in it when your run game is is you know performing as poorly as it is. And I know we we talked about Josh Allen <coughs> taking hits and. It continues to be a theme, but it's also obviously just the most effective part of them running the ball. So not that I have completely changed course. I, I think the long-term impact of that could be, you know, risky, but it is still, you know, you see it with the Ravens too, with Lamar Jackson. It's the type of thing that can get you out of trouble. And it's the type of thing that can really, you know, really open up, open things up. And it, it is worth you know, factoring in when you look at the rushing numbers, you're going to have Josh Allen 70 yards. Like that helps the, uh, the old average. It, it helps the the bottom line, but it doesn't solve the issue of, you know, being able to run the ball when, when you need to, you know, hand it off and, you know, figure something else out. You Of all problems you want to have on offense, this is the one you want to have that not being able to get your running backs going because obviously they found a way to make it work without it. But, you know, there are there's still time to get it figured out. It's just the biggest problem seems to be the the blocking up front. And I don't know how quickly that will get fixed. Maybe there's some scheme things they can do, but you know, a lot of that is is personnel. And this looked like a matchup where it could work out for them in the rain, but the Ravens were were really swallowing up the backs every time, you know, they, they tried to hand it off, it seemed like. Yeah, Singletary I, popped a popped what, an eighteen yarder. Uh, and, yeah, that was the pin know. and pull play I was talking about. It was it was so, a great execution. He, you know, they got got loose for one, but you know, Josh Allen got loose. But otherwise, it was a pretty good, pretty good effort from Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely was. I think, um, I think the, uh, I think Allen did a better job of getting down in this game, especially when he was out in the open field. He, the did. Raven. he got down a couple different times. Still, you know, he's still going to take a bumper here or there, yeah, but it yeah. seems like something that he was thinking about. And it very rarely seems like something he's thinking about. <laughs> he seems like he is 
when he's out in the open field, he's thinking about doing all sorts of unspeakable things to to defensive <laughs> players. But this game, he he really see, and it's something I think a lot of people probably noticed watching this game because of the way Lamar Jackson is very different from Josh Allen in that way, and that he will he's looking for the sideline a lot, and he'll cut it up. That's what makes him. Uh, gigantic pain in the neck to defend is that he'll do that all game where he's taking it to the sideline. And then on one, he'll put his foot in the ground and get 10 extra yards by cutting it upfield. But he seems to avoid contact a little bit better than Josh Allen when he's out in the open field as a runner. Yeah. Um, he definitely, you're just going to have to take your lumps with him because he will initiate contact from time to time. But I'm also glad you brought up James cook because I, I had a little bit of of the opposite reaction because this is now two out of four games where they have given him an opportunity early in the game where it was still pretty close and they didn't have to go to him out of necessity um, that he has he has shown some ball security issues. This one was a dropped pass on a play that could have been a pretty nice game. Uh, where it seems like they cleared it out pretty well for him. Uh, of course, his first career carry went for a fumble. You know that's a bit of an anomaly. It's not going. He wasn't going to fumble the ball every single time. Every single time he he gets it. But you can only go on what that would be a legendary career. And in this stadium, <laughs> with P- the way True. Peterman, True. Uh, you know, seemed like he was ready to throw an interception on every pass of his career. You can't rule it out. But no. that would be that would have been something. It would have been electric. But I think for for them, when you have a player that you you can't really trust all that much, and he didn't get another snap the rest of the game. The, his drop was his last snap of the game. I think See, I don't I, I get that. OK, so he's he's not the most trustworthy player. Right. Right. But isolated plays like a fumble and a drop at a rhythm position in some ways as running back can be like these guys like feeling the game. But how is it the next time he goes into the game? You know, how is he how long is it going to take him before he feels like they actually do trust him? You know, that's where and it. I'm thinking midseason. At some point, he's going to pop. It's yeah, just inevitable because of his talent. But the here's a couple plays a game, and if you screw him up, sorry, is is tough. Like that's tough on James Cook for him to to get you know build the type of confidence that you would like to see him build, so that when it is more important, you know, and these games are, I mean, they're playing some big games early. It's a tough early season schedule, but later in in the season he's not even thinking about whether the team trusts him because he's built up enough of a of a you know reel of big plays but i don't know it just feels like it's tough to you know in a game like this one you know weird weather to be like up oh, one drop you know you're not doing it with singletary obviously you know he's far more advanced in his career but i understand the the instinct and we've seen it all around the NFL. It's not a Bills thing. It's a it's an NFL thing with running backs. But finding ways to, you know, build his confidence is important too. And you're not going to necessarily be in a tough spot if you do it because sure, he could fumble on every single carry, but the guy's also a big play waiting to happen. Yeah, I I definitely 
hear and agree with with where you are coming from 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 that perspective because he is he is a potentially explosive player and he can help add to the passing game when when he's given opportunities but i think where i i'm i'm not i'm not necessarily advocating for this i'm just kind of, i'm just kind of looking for ways that they might think i think there's a, you know, I'm not going to say pretty good, but I think there's a there's a solid chance that James Cook is inactive next week, and because for a few different factors, the the you know not really trusting him uh, being one of those things, and you know right or wrong, that's that plays into it as as you pointed out, a lot of NFL teams think similar similarly, but not only with ball security, it's pass protection. He's not really a plus for them there. Uh, he he'll get walked back and and you know miss his assignment on those um, where the, the running plays that suit him best are the ones that the bills offensive line have proven to be at least through four games so far have proven to be at their worst, which is wide zone. They just, they, it hasn't clicked for them for whatever reason. They just haven't done it. Their most successful runs have been on pin and pull. It's been on uh a, a fake RPO handoff to uh, to Zach Moss where he made a guy miss in the open field. And it's been on like a, a little counter um, that, that they've run. That is not really James Cook's game. He's he's more of that that wide rush guy. And, you know, it, it, maybe they can get him into space on, on those pin and pull opportunities. But, you know, it, without the rest of it, uh, they they're kind of struggling. And then when you have him not being able to play any special teams they they have um they have mckenzie being the kickoff return guy they have you know jameson crowder slash khalil shakir being the punt return guy so that's not james cook's role Uh, maybe if mckenzie is out this week that's a way to get him some touches uh, as the main kickoff return guy but um if mckenzie plays I could definitely see a situation where they go, okay, because they've done this the last couple of years with their second round picks. AJ Epinesa a couple of years ago, Boogie Basham last year. They made Epinesa a healthy scratch his first game of of his career. He wound up playing the rest of the rest of the season, but you know, they they wanted to bring him along slowly. Boogie Basham had a handful of healthy scratch um games uh, last season as a rookie. And not saying it's the right approach, but if your running game really isn't successful and you can utilize that active roster spot with something that you are actively going to put into your game plan. Uh, I, I could see their logic taking them to having him be a healthy scratch because McDermott has long um, been a proponent of for younger players when they start to struggle to have them watch from the sideline to get a different perspective. That's that's the the rhetoric he's always kind of used for that. And I could definitely see them using that sort of ideology early on in James Cook's career because they know they're going to need him down the stretch. They know he presents something to them that uh that they don't have elsewhere and that's some and something that Devin Singletary and Zach Moss both don't give them. But where he is right now in relation to where they are I think they're kind of on two different planes, and I could definitely see McDermott and the the game day staff say, "Okay, let's let the kid um, watch from the sidelines this week, maybe a couple weeks, and then start to get him 
uh, get him ramped up as they work toward the midseason to the late season and then and then go from there. So that that's why I think there's a chance if Mc, if McKenzie is unable to play against Pittsburgh, I think that's why uh, they they could potentially make him a, a healthy scratch in that game. Yeah, I mean, if you're not going to give him the ball, then I don't understand why yeah. he's hacked if he doesn't yeah, play no special point. team. So it's like that. I think that's the part of it to me. It's like if he's really not ready, saw it actually quite a bit last year with Ramondre Stevenson in New England, where, where clearly when he was on the field and he touched the ball, it was like, wow, this guy's a really explosive player and probably maybe their most talented running back. You could probably say the same thing about James Cook right now uh, in Buffalo, but they would just they just scratched him, you know, and it was like, man, Ramondre Stevenson's not on the field. Then all of a sudden, you know, they got to a point injury wise where they needed him and he came through. It felt stubborn that he wasn't on the field because once he got out there, he was fine. But it was a, a similar thing. There was a, a bad blitz pickup and, you know, Bill Belichick was not having it. And so, you know, that was that. And. I think the big thing is why waste the roster spot if you're not going to give him the ball. Exactly. If you're going to give him a jersey, give him the ball. Like, mm-hmm. g- give him an opportunity totally because he's had, I think it's 17 touches in the first three weeks of the season, which is well, first not, four now or first four weeks of the season. And to me, that's you know, for a guy that you're giving a roster spot to on game day when your team is as banged up as it is. You know, that's, I mean, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss got more action than that uh, early on in their careers. And a lot of that probably was James Cook had a ton of garbage time against Tennessee. Other than that, it doesn't feel like we've hardly seen him. So, yeah, he was playing in that Miami game out of necessity because the, because the guys could not yeah, stay played on the field. hundred plays. He, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the offense played a ridiculous number of snaps, but. I don't know. It, yeah, it's it's one or the other. He's either not ready, and so don't dress him, or he is ready, and you know, give him the ball. Like more than just like, hey, here's your one play. Oh, you dropped it. Like, oh, you know, oh, that run didn't go anywhere. You know, the the quick hook is, is not yeah. a way. You know, build his confidence. You know, during the week, then, and you know, sit him down. Like, let him have a breather if he needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just. For a team that, you know, you have guys dropping like flies, it just seems, you know, weird to not get him the ball or use his spot for somebody else. You know, find a, you know, find a spot for an extra pass catcher. Uh, Tommy and, Sweeney. You know, Fine. just figure <laughs> some other way to use that that spot. But that feels like when they get it figured out in the running game, it feels like, it'll be James Cook who could get them going. Yeah. In it'll, my it'll, opinion. I mean, second round pick you spent on the guy. Like there was a lot of talent available in the second round. You chose to take a running back, you know, for the third time in what, four years in the in the first three rounds. So he has to be somebody who gets this, this offense going at times. And if he gets the opportunity later in the season, I still have some confidence that he'll do it. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. 
With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, you can bring someone up. I mentioned Tommy Sweeney. He's not the only guy. Like, uh, you could call up call up a wide receiver from the practice squad or you can call up an additional player from the from the practice squad at a different position that can that can help you that week uh just there's different ways to go about it but obviously if there are a a lot of injuries he's going to get a jersey on game day just because you know you're not gonna you're not gonna only dress 46 or 47 guys um but if if they have the chance to make him a healthy scratch and they have to make a tough decision, I think there could be a uh, a situation where maybe he's on the the wrong side of that. But just something to keep an eye on as we move forward. All right, let's let's head to the defensive side of things, and um, I wanted to start with Jordan Poyer in this game because he, uh, to me, and you know the whole contract stuff notwithstanding because that's that's a piece to the puzzle as well but the difference of having him in the lineup in week 4 and not in the lineup in week 3 was so jarring based on two of the biggest plays of both of those games i think back when i think back to the miami game i think the one play that that broke their back essentially was on third and 22 when uh, they allowed Jalen Waddell to split the safeties and get down the field. And when you watch the film, you, you'll you see Jaquan Johnson, who was playing in the Poyer role, um, drift to his left a little bit, uh, was, you know, didn't spot Waddell immediately and was late to, to get up the field to go try and um, interrupt the pass. And that wound up being a humongous play. Uh, DeMar Hamlin was on the other side, but he was tracking a guy that that um, came wide open uh, down the down the uh, his to his right, the sideline to his right. So I don't really fault Hamlin for that. I think Johnson just kind of hesitated a little bit too much and allowed Waddle to to break open for a huge game. So now Johnson not in the lineup against the Ravens, and you have Jordan Poyer, fourth and goal, two yards to go. Uh, the pass rush does a really nice job at getting pressure. Lamar Jackson keeps dropping back, dropping back, dropping back. Jordan Poyer on this play is uh, positioned in his zone as it was drawn up closer to the middle of the field, kind of by the hash mark, maybe a little bit to the to the right of it. But and even at one point uh, has his back to where Devin Duvernay is on the play. But he sees Lamar drifting that way. He looks over sees Devin Duvernay com- completely wide open and abandons where he was in the zone because he's playing the hunch and he has the confidence and experience to do so. And, you know, of course, it, he was helped out by the pass rush, not allowing Lamar to step into the throw. But still, the fact that he played that hunch and got on his horse to get over there 
as opposed to just stay in his zone because that's what the play called for. That shows the level of confidence and the level of efficiency that he provides the defense. And even, you know, a, a batted down pass would have been one thing. But to intercept it and then give them an additional 18 yards of cushion in doing so, that is a that's an that's an unbelievable play by by Jordan Poyer. And he's got to be feeling good. The first pick, you know, he was right place, right time, tip drill, went sky high in the air. He came down with it. Nice job by that. But this play was super impressive for a lot of different reasons and it helped win them the game. So I I, I think the the Poyer difference and how important he is now to this operation moving forward uh, in 2022 is is very evident based on what we saw the last two weeks. And it could go beyond that depending on what Micah Hyde's future holds. I, I think without Micah Hyde in the lineup, Jordan Poyer becomes even more important because it, it this game showed that I think we were curious, curious heading into last week. There's been a lot of times where we've seen one of them in the lineup, you know, for a week where, you know, one of them was down. Last week was the first time neither of them were in the lineup. And it was, it was obvious. Defense still, you know, was okay, but in important moments, it showed up. This week with him back in, I think you saw the big difference. I mean, the defense in this game, the defense as a, in general through four weeks, I mean, the Bills had 20 unanswered points to win this game. You know, those points have to be unanswered for this comeback to work, you know, and Josh Allen and the offense deserve credit for pulling themselves out of the rut, but the defense pitched a shutout in the second half. Uh, Lamar Jackson in the first half had 108 yards and a touchdown in the second half. He had 36 yards and two interceptions. So that's the type of stuff that, that wins you games. And if the defense continues to play at this level, that's just a great sign for what they could be as a team in January, the way they could match up with teams. They match up well against Lamar Jackson, Jordan Poyer being a big reason why without Jordan Poyer, I don't think they win this game. Uh, and it's, it's beyond just the, you know, the interception and the, you know, the big plays that he makes that you see, it's the plays that Lamar Jackson can't make because he's there. It's the plays that Mark Andrews can't make because he's there. And I think that is a big deal for this defense that he stay on the field. And, you know, he is one of their most important players. Mark Andrews had two catches for 15 yards today. The three most important players on defense for the Bills in this game were Poyer, Edmonds, and Milano from where I was sitting because this is now the second straight time Milano and Edmonds have done a really good job with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens running game. And Lamar Jackson got, you know, just like Josh Allen, got his in, in the ground game. 11 carries, 73 yards, had some big plays. Almost had the first down on that one, reaching over. Kind of a, an interesting... I, the explanation made sense, but it was close. Uh, it would have been much talked about uh, if it were the other way, if if, uh, if Josh Allen were reaching over the, the first down marker. But... The way they bottled up that running game, you know, you had 
41 yards from J.K. Dobbins and a touchdown. He looked good early. They slowed him down. Uh, Justice Hill, same thing, 45 yards on eight carries. There were there were plays in there, but you still had so much stress on Edmonds and Milano to get everything right with all the window dressing and everything that has to be right with the way you're reading your keys as a linebacker against the Baltimore Ravens offense. And they do a really good job with it. They are comfortable against this offense. And the big thing that is different about this offense in 2022 as opposed to 2020 when they played them in the playoffs is that they can get explosive plays in the in the passing game. The Bills don't allow explosive plays in the passing game. And they don't allow them because of players like Jordan Poyer. And, you know, I think that's where Poyer's presence was really felt in this game. You know, the corners are continuing to hold up, uh, you know, despite being really tested with injuries. And it's going to be a lot easier for them to continue to do so with a player like Poyer in the back end, you know, making sure the communication's right, being able to freelance a little bit when it's required and erasing some plays just because of his range and instincts and knowing where to be. So great return for him. And, you know, the big important players on Buffalo's defense are getting it done. They've pitched shutouts in the second half of three games this year. They, they shut out the Rams in the second half. They shut out the Titans in the second half, and now they shut out the Ravens in the second half. And those are three pretty good teams. Dolphins didn't exactly light up the scoreboard in the second half either. It was just, uh, you know, the Bills offense came up short at the end. So the defense is closing out games. And, you know, that was, and it's different players each time, you know, it seems like. But, you know, Von Miller had a hand in it early in the year. And, in this one, it was, you know, two guys that they drafted and developed at linebacker and, you know, a safety that's been with them since the beginning, one of the core pieces of this this defense. And it will make for an interesting contract discussion down the road, but that doesn't matter for 2022. He's locked in mm-hmm. for 2022, and uh, they need him. Outside of um, a, a few big Lamar break contains, uh, to get first downs, I thought the defense on the whole did a really nice job in this game. They were the Ravens were basically gifted ten points because of Bills' offense screw ups. There was the interception at the beginning of the game where it allowed it had the the Ravens start from the Bills' four yard line and they gave up a touchdown. Not really on the defense, I don't think. Um, and then Devin Singletary's fumble put the Ravens at the Bills 36 yard line and they wound up getting a field goal. So 10 of the Ravens 20 points came from Bills turnovers. And if they get rid of the turnovers, then this is a borderline dominant game from, from the Bills against a, a, an offense that has been, or at least coming into week four was the most prolific scoring offense in the entire NFL. And that's a big time accomplishment. You brought up, the linebackers, I thought they were both great. Um, I also want to give a big, uh, a big credit credit to Taron Johnson because they were in nickel the entire game. Even even though the Ravens usually don't go with eleven personnel all that often, they go with two tight ends, they go with a fullback and a tight end, 
And a lot of times Mark Andrews becomes their de facto slot receiver. Mark Andrews was almost non-existent in this game. He had he had those couple of Taron Johnson was called for a couple of penalties later in the game. That's what he'll be remembered by. But what he should be remembered by is how much he helped lock up uh, Mark Andrews throughout the game. Andrews coming into the, I mean, we talked about it on the the pregame pod, twenty four targets over his last two appearances. He had a uh, a reception percentage. Uh, he caught 39.3% of the Ravens' receptions so far through, throughout three weeks. In this game, they limit him to, what was it, two, two touches or two catches for 15 yards on five targets. That in itself, I think uh, that's a 10% um, reception percentage as opposed to almost 40%. That's a an incredible job by Johnson, the linebackers, Poyer, like they were, they locked him in. And I thought it was going to be a huge question mark how they would do it without Micah Hyde. And they really stepped it up. The other guy that I think deserves a lot of credit in this game is Daquan Jones. For the second week in a row, this dude has had to go out there and play a heavy amount of snaps, which is not something the Bills like to do at defensive tackle. He, in this game, by my count, wound up with 72% of the snaps. And usually they like their one technique somewhere between 40 and 50%. They could not take him off the field because the guys that they had behind him, being Brandon Bryant and Prince Amelie, they, they couldn't trust them for long stretches of time. The longest stretch at any one time that Jones was out of the, out of the game on defense was three plays. That's it. It was either one play here, two plays here, three plays here, but nothing more than that. And that goes to show how important he has become to this defense and how well he has played throughout the first four weeks of the season. I thought it was very interesting. When he was on the field, the Ravens only uh, averaged 3.4 yards per carry. When Brandon Bryant and Prince Amelie came out on the field, the Ravens averaged six yards per carry. That shows how important Daquan Jones has become to this Bills team, and he desperately, just for rotation and keeping himself fresh, they desperately need one of Ed Oliver or Jordan Phillips to get back in in short order here, but Jones has been awesome the last couple of weeks, and uh, I know the the Ravens got theirs on on the ground game with their running backs a bit, but most of that came when when, uh, Amelia and and Bryant were on the field, so uh, Daquan Jones, another strong day. Yeah, they've just been playing, you know, Considering how shorthanded they've been, they've just been playing really excellent defense. And, you know, the the way the secondary has survived throughout losing some of its best players, I I think, is a huge credit to Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier and the way consistently they have gotten something out of, you know, not nothing because these guys are, are good players, but they get something out of they get the most out of just about everybody that walks through that building and and plays in the secondary um it's it's almost you know that's why it was kind of you know funny to see that you know Kair Elam was you know lagging behind a little bit but it was it was just a matter of you know Christian Benford being one of those guys late round pick that they found something in fit into their scheme perfectly and that they you know really 
uh, polished up and got ready to play. And now he's down and, and Kyrie Elam's in the game and uh, handling himself fine. Um, so it's just funny that the first round guy is the guy that, that took a little time to get up to speed. And it seems like they can plug just about anybody in and make it work. So if they can get back to close to full strength, which they won't get back to true full strength without Micah Hyde, but uh, there's still a lot of room for this defense to get better as they mm-hmm. get healthier. Yeah. I mean, not having Oliver and Phillips in this game was was huge. And when they have those two guys, and I also thought uh, DeMar Hamlin had another nice game, a second straight one for him. And seems like they have settled on him as the Micah Hyde backup at free safety. You know, when I think I think we might have touched on it on the, on the preview pod, but Hamlin was out there basically in the deep middle role, basically triple the time that um, Jaquan Johnson was against the Dolphins. So that was kind of an indication maybe that they could pair Poyer with Hamlin. They wound up doing so. Uh, and Hamlin, I thought, has has had a nice little couple of starts to begin his his second season. All right, let's uh, let's dive headfirst into the award portion. Um, I think we need to begin with the Dree Archer Award for the player who did not show up at all in this game. So Matthew Fairburn, who do you have? This is we've already discussed him. This is where I was going to discuss him. James Cook, uh, mm. you know, the the one drop and otherwise really Dre Archer esque in his uh, in his involvement in this game and in this offense uh, through four weeks. Uh, he's just not been not been a huge factor, as we discussed. And so he was a, a pretty easy candidate, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the Bills. I feel like I haven't given it to a bill all that often this year. So right. uh, that might be first or second time for that, but uh, just a non-factor. Mm-hmm. I will uh, I will give the Dre Archer Award to Gabe Davis. I know I touched on it a little bit earlier in the episode, but um, just not really a factor. Dropped a pass, three targets, one catch, 13 yards. Uh, well, I mean... I guess you could say that Diggs only had six targets in the game, but he converted on four of those for 62 yards, uh, including a really nice catch along the sideline when it was raining at it at its hardest. Um, uh, hands catch where it almost uh, squirmed away from him. It was an outstanding play by him. But but yeah, Gabe Davis to me is the uh, Dre Archer Award winner. He just on the on the field a ton. Damn near 100% of snaps. I think he only had one off, if I'm not mistaken. 64 out of 65, 98.5%. Um, and one catch to show for it. So Gabe Davis, Dre Archer Award. Vontae Davis, speaking of Davises, Vontae Davis for the player that did not show up in the second half. Who do you have? I mentioned the numbers, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, 108 yards and a touchdown in the first half, 36 yards and two interceptions passing in the second half. Not going to get it done uh, mm-hmm. for, you know, in games like this, you know, top quarterback against top quarterback. That was a rough, rough second half from him. But you could really go with the entire Ravens offense in the second half because the Bills defense shut them down. Uh, It was, you know, a dominant performance and somewhat surprising that 
that the Ravens couldn't get it going at all, seemingly. And I think the reason it goes to Lamar Jackson individually is those two interceptions. Uh, he really, you know, didn't bring his best stuff uh, when it mattered uh, for Baltimore in this one. I I don't want it. I don't want it to feel cheap, but I don't feel like there's any other option here. I'm going to give it to James Cook because he did not take a snap in the second half, and that is quite literally the award. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, with James Cook, and he takes home half of Avante Davis and half of Adri Archer. Uh, you know, probably not his fault that he didn't get in. Par- partially, it is, but they just they have shown a even though Devin Singletary lost a fumble, uh, they have shown that they trust him. Above all else, when all else fails, Devin Singletary will be there for them. And uh, yeah, after Cook dropped his pass, Devin Singletary took 43 of the next 46 snaps on offense, which goes to show uh, actions speak louder than words. And the action is that Devin Singletary is the guy for them, at least right now. All right, let's uh, go to the Matt Barkley Award for the player that uh, came out of nowhere. Caught you by surprise. Khalil Shakir had a really nifty catch and run. Uh, It was only, you know, two catches for 23 yards in this game, but that was a big, big catch and run from him that uh, helped spark a scoring drive. Maybe foreshadowing some, some things to come. Maybe they can get this guy more involved. I know he's a rookie, so, you know, they, you got to bring him along slow. You know, you got to, you know, feed him uh little by little but i think he's ready uh and out of necessity it feels like they're gonna have to get him more involved and you know that type of play is what you know he showed in college it's what made him you know a popular a popular draft sleeper and a a really uh there was a reason a lot of people liked that pick as late as they got him and we might get a chance to see a little bit more of him going forward. And I, I think he's earned it. Yeah. I chatted with him after the game and, and he was pretty funny. He was, he was like, yeah, the guys around me did a great job of like, you know, making sure I didn't get too hyped up and wasn't nervous or anything like that. He's, he's very self-aware and, and he's willing to admit these things. And I, I've, I found, I find him to be a, a pretty fun little interview. So Shakir, definitely a, a great one for, for the Matt Barkley award. Uh, I'm going to give it to, Shaq Lawson. And here's why. Uh, down the stretch of the game, he became one of their go-to defensive ends. He had out of the final, let's see, in the second half, they had uh, the defense was on the field for 34 plays, including penalties. Shaq Lawson, after being a low percentage snap guy uh, through the first three weeks and by far their fifth defensive end, winds up playing 50% of the snaps in the second half, all on the right right defensive end side. And he was a pretty significant factor. And he's always had good games against the Ravens. These are one of the ones that he's always pretty up for. And he continued to show it at the end of the game as Lamar Jackson was drifting back um, on fourth and goal from the two-yard line. It was Shaq Lawson who was front and center uh, chasing him down. So Shaq Lawson set 50% of snaps in the second half, uh, had the third most snaps of any defensive end, uh, any Bills defensive end 
uh, in the game, outsnap both Epinesa and Basham. So shout out to Shaq Lawson because uh, nice little nice little game for him. He popped when they needed him to, and he definitely shined in a in a setting and against an offense that he's had some success in in the past. Yeah, he's a guy that loves these games that get ugly and get you know nasty in the running game, and he's always been that way. And I, I think he he fits. He gives them a nice option, you know, to play. He doesn't have to play every week, but for the right matchup, and this is one of them, he's he's ideal. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, all right, let's uh, go to the Blaine Gabbert Award for Perseverance. I know where this is going for you. I'm going to give it to Josh Allen. Oh, okay. actually. Um, <laughs> I mean. Surprise me. At this point, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, it's got to be, it's got to go to the under, right? Because the under hit for a fourth straight week. I can't week. believe it hit again. And I can't believe it. The The reason that I don't think the Blaine Gabbard Award for Perseverance, I mean, it could be, you know, what, third straight week of it getting it. But at this point, it is so expected. The, the under mm-hmm. dominated from start to finish in this game. Uh <laughs> It the didn't under, look that way at the start. Because the under the has been dominating. Really... The under has not needed to persevere. The under is on a roll right now. So giving it to Josh Allen because of the way that he started the game uh, was tough. It was looking like young Josh Allen out there. And he reeled it in and really settled himself in the second half and was a big reason they won this game. It wasn't as gaudy a performance as he's had Uh, early in the season but it was still what they needed and you know not a lot of quarterbacks are pulling that one out and and he did so he's got a lot of hardware I'm sure and you know he's looking for for some some big looking to try to get some big uh, milestones this year take home an MVP trophy uh, maybe a, a Super Bowl you know Lombardi trophy but that Blaine Gabbard award you know it's hard to get the other ones without that one first. So uh, big, big day for Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'm going to give it to the pass catchers on the whole. Um, almost every single pass catcher, uh, you know, minus Khalil Shakir and Zach Moss had a drop today, or at least what looked like a drop. Devin Singletary had one. James Cook had one. Stefan Diggs had one. Gabriel Davis had one. Isaiah McKenzie had one. Jamison Crowder had one. I, Dawson Knox had the interception go off his hand. So, you know, that was tipped at the line, it looked like. So that was kind of a tough play. But some could call that a drop as well. But uh, at, as a group, they really rebounded and had some good perseverance throughout the rest of the game. Because if it weren't for them getting their stuff together, then... Uh, you know, Josh Allen and the passing offense probably doesn't uh, doesn't go. What was it uh, down the stretch? It was I had the stats earlier. Uh, Fourteen of twenty three for one hundred and seventy one yards and a touchdown. Uh, right uh, when the Bills took over with one forty seven to go in in the second quarter. So, uh, Blaine Gabbert Award of Perseverance Group Award to the Bills pass catchers for the most part. Uh, you know, James Cook notwithstanding, because they didn't give him another chance, but. Everybody else, uh, they they uh, atoned and had some nice plays down the stretch. Oh, that's because uh, Cook retired at halftime. Apparently. That's right. <laughs> that's right. It was the because uh, Cook was the no Vontae Davis team. award. So, uh, <laughs> so he couldn't have. You know what can you do? You can't be both. And finally, the most 
special. Nathan Peterman, Sean McDermott, gotta watch the tape award we've had because this is this city, this stadium was where the award was spawned. I I sat in the very media room and I had flashbacks to Sean saying that at the podium. And I'm like, wow, what a whirlwind it's been the last four years. So in this game, they gotta watch the tape award. Matthew Matthew Fairburn, choose wisely because this one this one means a lot. I don't have a necessarily special player to give this to to bestow such an honor on. Uh, it's, I mean, there's a lot of little plays in this game that you're gonna want to you know dissect and wonder about, but. I think for the Bills, big picture going forward where it would really be useful to watch the tape is on Gabriel Davis to see Mm. where exactly he's at physically and how much he can give you going forward. And it's not going to be easy to potentially sit him down given the numbers game they have at the moment. But if it's necessary, I think you need to take a long, long look at the, the tape to see if it would benefit him and the team for him to to sit it out a week and and get right for uh you know they've got what Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Green Bay in the next 3 weeks. So Pittsburgh, the, Kansas City, then a bye after Kansas City. Oh, so then it's Green Bay after yeah. that. So yeah, I yeah. mean I mean I don't think you want to sit him down for 2 weeks, but uh if there's a game you could sit him down for in the next month, it's probably Pittsburgh and you know that's the nature of their schedule that that's the easy one. But I think it's it's worth considering and probably worth a closer look at every snap because he wasn't throwing the ball very much. Uh, you know, how did he look? Does he look like the usual Gabriel Davis? I don't think he's quite there, but but we'll see. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think it might come down to sheer numbers. Is if McKenzie, oh, it looks like Crowder won't be available, and Kum, it looks like Kumara won't be available. I, I guess that's premature on Crowder. I mean, based on what we saw, the quick rule out, crutches, walking boot, I would be somewhat surprised if if he was able to play in uh, in this next game. So the sheer numbers aspect, if McKenzie can't play, then they're down to three and probably calling up Isaiah Hodgins and maybe Tavon Austin or Tanner Gentry uh, for the game. So they they might not have a choice, but but yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. You need, need to see if he's a little hampered by it. Uh, I am going to give the gotta watch the tape award to the weather. One of the biggest talking points heading into the game. I don't really think it was a factor, if we're being honest. These two teams combined for 65 pass attempts, and Lamar was has always had this stigma that he doesn't play that that well when when it's rainy. Still at 73 yards rushing. Still threw the ball around. Uh, it wasn't his most prolific day by any means, but I don't think the, the wind was never a huge factor. I don't think um, it occasionally got a little like the rain came down a little bit harder, but I don't think either of these teams were uh, that um, thrown off by the weather. I think it was kind of an uh, a little bit of an overrated talking point heading in, but Got to watch the tape to see if 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 it was for sure because uh, you know these are 
the under did hit. So I'm I gonna, guess I was gonna say I'm gonna throw a flag right. on this one because the under hit comfortably. A yeah, lot of drops. A lot of drops in this yes. one. Fumbles. Well, uh, maybe. And Josh Allen completed 52% of his passes. So, I mean, Lamar Jackson had 36 passing yards in the second half. Even in a, you know, uh, a nice second half comeback, the Bills weren't exactly pouring it on offensively. So, Is that a pun? Um, it actually was not. Uh, not intentional, <laughs> but it was. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I think I think when the weather is talked about as much as it is, it thought it would be a kind of wire to wire weather event, but it was really yeah. more of a late second half or late first half throughout the second half, and it was not a it certainly was not a oh man, did you see that Bills Ravens game, you know? Mm-hmm. Like last week I'm sure there were people that weren't watching Bills Dolphins that heard Man, did you see that Bills Dolphins game? Guys were dropping like flies. Or, yeah, the 49ers Bears game from week one. Right. Or there was actually a Ravens 49, was it 49ers a couple of years ago? Uh, 2019. I remember a, a Lamar Jackson game and much worse rain than that. So it was not a, a notable once in a season type of occurrence, mm-hmm. but it played enough of a role and the, uh, and it, Force the under down. I had people asking me if the over still counted. You know, I said the over counts whenever you get it. First of all, I mean, if you hit, you hit, right? The the check clears. The check clears. <laughs> we picked it at what fifty two, and it 51. went and it went down to fifty. And it started at fifty four and a half, and it still hit comfortably. So yeah. It did. Um, be interesting little preview in the next week. It's 47 for the Steelers Bills game is the initial number. Yeah, and the Bills are favored by 13. The lowest <laughs> that's the lowest number they've had this year, I believe, on the over under. They've hit that number by themselves in a game this year already. So mm-hmm. that that's gonna be an interesting one. Who knows which way I'll go with it. Yeah. Might get uh, the wild man, Kenny Pickett, get making his first ever start. Uh, Tomlin will have to watch the tape before he decides. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And that's a fitting way to uh, conclude the award section of of the podcast. All right, Matthew Fairburn, any uh, sage words of advice before we head into week five of the season? Steelers week. It's a big one around these part. Home game. One o'clock kick, right? Yep. A lot of Yinzers going to be driving up, I'm sure driving up to 219 to to take this one in that's going to be a that's going to be an old fashioned slobber knocker so get your rest and gird your loins cuz it's going to be a it's going to be a dandy that's an old fashioned matchup right there but uh looking good looking good for the bills 3 and 1 yeah winnable game and uh can't look ahead can't look beyond yeah. this week. Got to yeah. Get ready for the in. trap game rhetoric. Yeah, this is a big one. This is a big one. It's you can't can't overlook the Yinzers. Often said it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I just reacted because Mike Evans just got popped in the back of the end zone in the third quarter here. Uh, popped right up though, so good on him. But yes, uh, I I didn't know we would be ending an episode with the with the word slobber knocker. And the phrase, gird your loins in the same sentence. But 
here we are. That's that's why that's why you listen to us here on the Buffalo Beat to to hear these turns of phrase that um, Mr. Fairburn trots out uh, near the end of the episode. That's why you listen this deep into the episode. But we appreciate y'all. All right, that's gonna do it. Thank you, Mr. Fairburn. Uh, thank you to all for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills, 3-1 and one on the season. They defeat the Baltimore Ravens 23-20. Next up, Pittsburgh Steelers at home at Highmark Stadium. The 1-3 and three Pittsburgh Steelers, I should add, uh, that could be starting a rookie quarterback. So we'll be, uh, we'll be back at some point in the coming week for the preview episode and get you ready for Bills Steelers uh, to see if the Bills can begin the year four and one. All right. So for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Pascalia. Thanks everyone for listening and we will talk to you next week. See you then.